When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match! Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket at the Ashes. A dispiriting day for England, the first day of the second Test match at Lords. The crowd all uh, disappearing off home now, probably feeling quite gloomy if they're an England fan because they've put Australia in and they've only taken five Australian wickets and Australia have managed to get to 339. Now, this podcast is in association with IG Trading and Investments, by the way, and uh, they would have been less happy, I guess, uh, from an England point of view, after today's play. Particularly as, uh, and I'm glad to say we have a special guest, not only Simon Mann on this podcast today, but we also have the former England all-rounder Derek Pringle with us as well. And there's a reason, actually, for having Pring with us, because, Pring, you said, actually, before the start of play, if you put a team in, in a test match, your objective is to bowl them out for under 250, and England have singularly failed to do that. They have, but then Baswell has changed our perceptions of how Test cricket's being played, and uh, I think I tweeted something like, it's been roundly ignored, that old saw that you've got to bowl someone out for under 250, but you're absolutely right, they'd be very disappointed. I mean, you know, I've been hearing all day, conditions tailor-made for Jimmy Anderson, and he hasn't taken a wicket. Well, we'll get to that, and, and perhaps some of the reasons why uh, uh, later. His uh, figures, by the way, were 0 for 29 from 15 overs, so he was accurate. But as you say, lack, lack penetration. So, Simon, what's your kind of assessment of the day overall? Well, about an hour before the close, you thought goodbye Ashes, didn't you? You know, 300 for three, Australia and get 500. They still might, and it still might be goodbye Ashes, because if they get 500, there's, the ball has spun, the the pace bowlers have gone past the outside edge a lot, and you imagine that will continue here. I mean, England are right up against it in this match. Nice of Australia 
to play out that charitable over where they gifted two wickets to England just to give them a bit of hope for tomorrow. The new ball is, what, two overs old. So there's that yeah, possibility that England might keep Australia to 400. But it's, I don't think it's going to be easy out there when England come to bat against this quality Australia attack. There's, there's, eno there's enough in this pitch, especially with the conditions presumably in favour of the bowlers again tomorrow. Were they in favour of the bowlers today? I don't know. I mean, Australia were 300 for three, but surely there was enough there for England to get wickets. Well, of course. I mean, we go back to... Actually, funnily enough, Pring, it reminded me of 2001 here, which was a, a, the second Ashes Test match. Ez Brasson was the first. Alice, uh, uh, Adam Gilkis came in and whacked 150 in the first Test, and obviously Australia won it very easily. Here, in the second Test in 2001, which of course was the last time Australia won the Ashes in England, actually Australia struggled and they were about 120 or something for five Gilkis comes in and he he plays a, another brilliant inning 70 or 80 but England dropped a lot of slip catches that day now you fielded at slip here at Lords slip catches go down here a lot don't they and two more went down today early on one probably more tricky than the other any any explanation for that well I've, I've never particularly analyzed it but they always say it's, it can be a little difficult uh, a viewing ground especially with the, if the background is the pavilion because it's all got all the members there uh, sitting there in the background there and it's they're multicolored where well, we know they wear very bright colored jackets and stuff but I think the slope here sometimes it, it just changes maybe the perception of where the catch is going particularly if it's a low one near the ground I mean, today mm. Joe Root got one, didn't he? He didn't quite, but it's very hard to come forward at slip. He didn't quite get his fingers under it. But I wonder why Bairstow might not have gone for it and maybe the slope put him off trying mm. to dive across. Do you know what? I have got a theory about why... Well, you did play your going. whole career here. I did, and, and I've, uh, in fact, I was trying to tell someone earlier that I would have got about 1,000 first-class wickets here. Well, not here, but overall, if, if they caught all my catches. <laughs> Total exaggeration. I might have got another 30 or something, but... Um, I think one of the theories, and we're sitting under the media centre at the nursery end, looking at the pavilion with the slope going away to our left. I bowled a lot of overs from this nursery end, as I'm sure you did, Pring, uh, yep. both for Essex and, and England. And I think that the slip fielders at the far end, so sort of with their back to the pavilion, on the left-hand side as a right-hander's batting, are lower than the height of the pitch because of the slope of the ground. They're actually lower, the slips are lower. So often what I found when I got the edge, occasionally, from the nursery end, the ball hit the slip fielders on the wrist. They went down low to catch the ball, thinking it was barely going to carry. So and because they, they were, were slightly lower... if they were lower, would yeah. they be standing closer than normal, perhaps? Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe. I mean, that one that Pope dropped today, it seemed to hit him quickly. Yes, it did. Before he was ready. Yes. As if he was way too close. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's absolutely right as well. But I think the slopes do have an effect on on slip catches, positioning and yeah. perception, and that's why more edges uh, go down here. That was partially my theory. Yeah. Well, you should have said it, but you well, didn't. Well, I did. <laughs> so is Laws the hardest catching ground of all the test grounds in England? You, I think the Oval's Oval, probably... Oval. I've, I've, personally, I've dropped a few sitters at the Oval. <laughs> that really is a bad seeing ground. It might be better now, actually, than, than it used to be in our day kind of thing. Anyway, I mean, England created those two chances. Didn't cost them that much in the case of Kawaja because he was out uh, at the uh, lunch break. But he was on one when he was dropped and he was actually, he made 17. So, I mean, it could have made, uh, made a difference. But Warner's drop was probably pretty crucial, not only because he, he went on to from 20 to 60-odd, but also it was, it was part of a very bad day for Ollie Pope. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, because he went off with a, a shoulder injury and he didn't come back on. So. Which was for another piece of fielding, yeah. but still. I mean, a, and a he's terrible got history day. with the shoulder, hasn't he? He has. It's the other shoulder, in Oh, fact. is it? Okay. It's the other shoulder that he dislocated a couple of times. Today it was the right shoulder. Um, we don't know the, the result of that yet, but all things considered, not good not good for England and the slips, really. Yeah, and it, it was a catch you've got to take, isn't it, really? Well, especially when you win the, any, well, any match, but you win the toss, you, you've got to take your chances. And the other point is, OK, Warner made another 44, but it, was, it also would have got in Labuschagne much earlier against the new ball. It'd given England a lift as well early on. You get Warner out early, but he, he, sort of, no, he didn't quite take the game away from England, but he, rever- he put the pressure back on them by the way he played. And by the time you know, he, he was out, what, what are we looking at, 96 or 2, you, you, you know, the psychological battle that, in that morning session or and, and just into the afternoon had been won by Australia, hadn't it? And England were, England were thinking four wickets before lunch, you Pring's thing about bowling a team out for 250 or, or, or fewer in the, in the first innings when you put a side in. It's weird, isn't it, with cricket, the psychological aspect of it, the expectation. You win the toss you, in, in conditions like this. The pressure is on you to. If it had been the other way around, if England had been, you know. Rewind and, and remember the roar that happened when they said England yeah. won the toss and when we asked Ben Stokes, we're yeah. going to do it, we're going to have a bowl. We're well, listening to the two captains of the toss as well. Listen to the two captains. I mean, Ben Stokes, he, he felt quite, you know, chirpy about winning the toss. He was, you know, he clearly delighted in Pat Cummins. He, he, just listening to him, there was sort of a rueful acknowledgement that it was going to be a difficult morning. It, you know, it probably wasn't as difficult as. It should have been, really. Well, I think, yeah, I think Warner should not be underestimated. He, pl- he played brilliantly and, and really set, set the stage for Smith and the others to come in when the ball's a bit older and, and to wander it around a bit. Talking of dropped catches and, and caught catches, um, there was a bizarre incident after one over, which I'm sure a lot of you will have read about or seen pictures of, when two protesters from the Just Stop Oil campaign invaded the pitch and one of them was apprehended by Johnny Bairstow who physically carried this intruder off the field and it actually reminded me I just had a slight sort of uh, sort of silly thought back to uh, a, one of a great piece of commentary by one of the great pieces of commentary by Richie Bennett uh, when Rod Marsh I think it was in England stopped a streaker there was a female streaker ran onto the field and in those days they were actually able to show it on the BBC. She was naked and Rod Marsh got hold of her in a polite way and sort of escorted her off and Richie Benno said on commentary, "Ah, the streaker on the field, that's the first catch Rodney Marsh has made today. And it's in one of those sort of silly comedy sequels. So anyway, Johnny Bairstow made an excellent catch today and took that intruder off the field. It was a strange moment, wasn't it? Well, it, it was just something that his, his dad would have done as well. It's just so much like his dad, old Bluey Bester. Um, he'd have done exactly the same, probably tackled him to the ground first. Um, but it was interesting. There's an interesting photo put up on social media whereby this Bairstow's got this, this protester and, 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 and carrying them. The Stokes got his arm blocking the path of the other one and there's Warner advancing with his back. And you think, if there were three blokes on that pitch who were going to go and take these people on, those are the three. The only problem with what Johnny Bairstow did was, you've seen in the past, some players have got injured. Terry Alderman. Terry Alderman, yeah, tackling spectator in, in Australia. I was, there. I was there, I played in that game. And what, tell us, remind us what happened. Well, there was a drinks break and a load of people ran on 
and somebody came by Terry and tried to nick his sun hat and they they'd been drinking so therefore they cuffed him trying to do it sort of probably not deliberately but he thought the guard had a swung, swing at him so Terry being a good Aussie rules player chased him down tackled him to the ground but actually I believe it was Dennis Lilly coming in to help his mate he dived in it was his knee that hit Terry's shoulder and dis- dislocated it's my belief where were the stewards when, when Johnny Bester was carrying this bloke off? It took quite a long time. You'd think actually you really couldn't catch up with him. You really should just hand, hand them over, hand the protester over to the stewards, really, wouldn't you? I yeah. I mean, the MCC took extra precautions, and in fact, it's been a theme of a lot of the big matches here. I was part of the ICC World Test Championship final commentary sort of setup. And we had a briefing the day before about possible invasions of the pitch during that World Test Championship final, which in the end never materialised. But there was a lot of extra precautions. But I guess, you know, if someone wants to run the field, jump on and scatter some powder around, it's pretty hard to stop them. So thank goodness the players had the the, the wherewithal to, to deal with it as well. But in the past, I've noticed they used to have stewards sitting in that gap between the boundary and well, the they advertising Well, they did have course, them today. To, no, there weren't any of them. They were. They were, actually. You couldn't see them. They are hiding behind that um, that lead board, actually. They did. Well, they didn't have maybe as many as well, they Well, they're behind have. the board, then, not in front of it. They used yeah. to be in front of it, no, between they were, they the were, boundary edge had, and the board. They did actually have stewards here, but there weren't that many well, there of might them. there might have been stewards there, but they weren't in their usual position sitting on those seats where they were. Which was curious. I don't know whether they thought it was bad optics having them there. I don't know. Let's go back to the cricket then. It's been a, another pulsating day, really, and it's been clearly been Australia's day. 339 for five. Okay, how well or otherwise did England bowl, or how badly did they bowl? Did they bowl badly? Well, I thought they bowled okay. I didn't think they bowled full enough to start with. I thought they found a bit of movement, but it was generally back of a length there was a few good deliveries bowled I thought Broad found the length a few times Jimmy went past the edge a couple of times but there's there's a, there's an issue about uh, Jimmy's bowling in particular which Pring you've noticed well yeah I, I, I just posed this question when did, when did anyone see him bowl what I would consider a, a proper outswinger which means taking it away from the right hander I mean that used to be his, his get go ball his go-to ball, and uh, I've not seen it, I don't think, for 18 months, two years And, and you've got a theory why maybe the outswinger's not working, which is the in-swinger to the left-handers, which always is a useful ball to have. I mean, it's a ball that both you and I, to left-handers, tried to bowl to get left-handers LBW. Well, these things never work entirely in isolation. I mean, you've got to remember, yeah. against good batsmen, if you can bowl the other one, they'll be looking for it half the time, and therefore in two minds when you bowl the... The one that goes away from the left-hander. If you can bring one back to him, he's thinking he's going to bowl that one yet. And it might just mess with their footwork a bit. But I don't think this lot are looking for Jimmy to bowl that ball at them anymore. And therefore, it makes it a little bit easier when they face him. And today, as, you know, as we've said, cloud cover seemed to be made for Jimmy Anderson. But he looked a bit lacklustre, unfortunately. And, and you, I think you have a theory about maybe why it's not working for him. I mean, we both know out swing, swing bowling generally is a fickle art. You have to have everything right. You well, have to have your wrist behind the ball. Well, what we call traditional swing bowling requires a lot of, of, of technique, particularly with the wrist, and you've got to get the ball backwards rotating. And, to, and I just think, I think when you get to Jimmy's age, he's obviously determined to not, to not let any of the doubters, you know, prove him you know, he shouldn't be there. So therefore, he's looking at the pace all the time. And, and of course, when you go for extra pace, you can do that with your wrist, but you can't keep it upright to swing it 
and get the extra pace at the same time. I mean, you, you, you've demonstrated that for people who might be watching on video, but we aren't making a video here. <laughs> We're only making an audio. So just explain. Help me persuade the, it in my own mind. Well, just just you know, just explain about the wrist. I've tried this before on this podcast, but maybe you can explain it. What is it about the wrist that you need to keep behind the ball? Well, if if any of the people listening to your podcast are cricketers, imagine you've got a cricket ball in your hand, and and I tell you what, stick your thumb under the seam not parallel to the seam but across the seam and under it the ball of your thumb across the seam right across the bottom of the ball that is how Malcolm Marshall and Wazim Akram used to hold it and And me and me well and and you and when you do that you'll feel the back of your wrist tense up and that's how you keep the wrist behind the ball in a good position if you let it go parallel to the seam it gets a bit floppier it's not quite as stiff so that's just so it's a, like a tight hand grip almost. Yeah, in a way. I mean, you've got to keep that wrist up, and you've also got to try and I don't know back get the ball backwards rotating with some, keep the fingers on the ball as long as possible. And yeah, of course, and you, to do that, it's very technical. Yeah. And and you know, you probably can't bowl that at ninety miles an hour, or even eighty-six miles an hour. You probably need to bowl at eighty-three, eighty-four. Um, so it's difficult. D- despite that. If I'd said to you this morning, uh, go to the bookies and put a bet on Jimmy Anderson, Stuart Broad in these conditions, with the lights on all day, bowling 33 overs and not getting a single wicket, would you have gone with a with expectation of of making some money or not? No, low expectation. But of course, depending on what the odds were, Simon. <laughs> but I mean, do, do do we feel they bowled in- inadequately? Well, what I thought actually is that is the pitch was seemed very slow and it, but, but it also seemed one of those pitches whereby I think they got a bit disheartened because unless you hit that absolute pristine length they were able to score and of course maybe the ball did go past the bat which means you're probably bowling the wrong length and when they tried to adjust they got hit for runs so they didn't quite get the, the precision didn't quite right get the precision right okay well eventually and that can happen yeah well eventually Josh Tung actually made the breakthrough by clean bowling well but firstly getting uh, Usman Kawaja bowled leaving it uh, just before lunch and then he also got David Warner with, a, with an absolute jaffer uh, from the same end coming down the slope. Now this podcast as I mentioned is sponsored by uh, IG Trading and Investments and IG have started a, a fund with the ECB called the IG Net Gains Fund. They've invested a lot of money into building new net facilities around the country connected to our main venues to try and encourage more people to practice cricket. Uh, there are going to be free public nets uh, around the place. More uh, information will be revealed shortly about where these net facilities are. But it just brings us on to the art of using the nets for your benefit generally. And I got here early this morning. I got here at about 9.15 uh, watching the nets and I saw Marnus Labuschagne already well into his practice. Uh, he'd already been out there for 20 minutes or so, practicing against a couple of the Australian coaches. He was still there at 10.15, so he had an hour in the nets today, uh, just rehearsing. He'd done a disappointing, had a disappointing first test, just rehearsing his trigger movements and his position at the crease. I noticed he put go, he went back into his crease this test match, whereas he'd stood out of his crease in the last couple of games and he decided that to, to revert to a normal, more normal position and just worked on his method, his defence, leaving the ball. It was incredibly meticulous and it did, in the end, prove dividends because although it was a, a sort of fairly sketchy innings by his own standards, 
he did make a, a crucial 47 from 157 minutes, 93 balls, a slow strike rate, but he sort of held England up and put on 100 with his mate Steve Smith. So it was a fairly crucial bit of batting, even though it wasn't all that pretty, Simon. Yeah, absolutely vital. I mean, it, it, Australia have got themselves into position by the close of play from which they can di dictate terms in the game. And sometimes you, you, you've just got to do what you've got to do, haven't you, out there today? And that's what uh, Labuschagne did. I, I, it's one of those strange dismissals, wasn't it? He, when you see the replay, he obviously nicked it, but he, he dragged himself so slowly away from the crease. You thought, well, oh. he tried to actually pretend he had <laughs> yeah, exactly. didn't he? Yeah, you thought, well, he's going to review this. He's going to, and then as he, he walked slowly down to Steve Smith, slowly, 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 and the crowd were holding their breath. They're thinking, what's going to happen? Is he going to review it? And then when he just got past Steve Smith, he realised he knew he nicked it and he was going to walk off the field. But it was one of those really strange moments where the crowd were waiting. Is he, is he or isn't he? Well, he wasn't because he nicked it. Classic Laws dismissal, I thought, because, you know, he's expected to nip down the slope, nip down the slope, and actually it squared him up because of that because he's waiting for it to come down the slope, just tap it on the leg side, maybe into a gap for a one, and then he suddenly thought, oh, dear me, it stayed up the slope. And he did what most Aussies do when they get in a bit of a tangle, because the kookaburra ball doesn't do anything in Australia. He tried to get out of trouble just playing with his hands at the ball. And of course, here, the ball moves, even when it's 40 overs old, 50 overs old, and found the edge. It was incredible, actually, that uh, he sort of tried to make us think he hadn't nicked it, and he, he hit the cover off it. So, good bit of con, con work there, but he didn't con the umpire, and he was on his way. Well, he wouldn't have con DRS either, would well, he? He, <laughs> he wouldn't, no, that's very true. So, uh, at that point, England had a possible hope but they've been held up for the rest of the day by Steve Smith and we're going to hear in a bit Steve Smith talking about his experience here four years ago batting against Jofra Archer in that famous bowling spell produced by Archer in his first test match here at Lords four years ago before we hear that uh, I just want to tell you about the IG net gains arena so after the investment that they're putting into to nets, what they're also doing, IG, is providing the, uh, a net facility on each of the test match venues where you can face replicants of the old balls, some great deliveries bowled in Ashes test matches. For example, and I've mentioned this before, that the Shane Warne ball of the century, a brilliant delivery by Graham Swan that bowled Ricky Ponting through the gate, Steve Harmison's excellent slur ball against Michael Clark in 2005, and a couple of other sensational deliveries. You can face those deliveries if you happen to be at one of these test matches by going to the IG Net Gains Arena and trying your luck. And if you score runs, the more runs you score, in the Net Gains Arena, the IG Net Gains Arena, the more money will go to the IG Net Gains Fund. So it's well worth your time going down to one of these Net Gains Arenas and having a go. Really good fun. I'm going to try it tomorrow, actually, so I'll let you know how I get on. Well, well, I in. hope you're going to face the Andrew Flintoff over <laughs> at Edgbaston from well, 2005. Well, one thing, one thing I do hope I'm not going to face... Without a thigh pad. <laughs> well, one thing I do hope I'm not going to face is the Joffre Archer spell to Steve Smith here in 2019, which was absolutely ex-certificate. Smith was hit twice on the body, the second time cracked on the head, and he had to be carried off, and obviously concussion then ruled him out of that test match and the next half and of course Labuschagne Marlon's Labuschagne actually came into the game to for the first ever concussion substitute anyway Steve Smith I spoke to him the other day and he looked back on facing Jofra Archer that day and why it was so difficult the clouds were rolling in and out it wasn't 
like a clear sunny day. Lords itself can be a little bit difficult when they're bowling from the members end with, you know, the members sitting there, the, the side screen probably not quite as big as some of the other places. So there's a few, um, you know, distractions potentially behind the, behind the arm. Um, so yeah, it was, it was just a day. I wasn't, wasn't quite seeing the ball as well as I would have liked, um, from that end. Um, and yeah, he was coming in bowling, you know, 93, 90 to 96 mile an hour at stages. Um, and the wicket was, it felt like I was a little bit up and down. So it certainly wasn't easy. It was a very difficult period to get through. And obviously I copped one on the arm, got away with a few pull shots that are probably, you know, a top edge and couple in the gap and then obviously cop one in the back of the head which yeah hurt a fair bit and at that stage i didn't realize i was concussed i was still you know went off and did all the the tests passed all the tests and then yeah probably wasn't until i came back out and after i got out probably half an hour after i got out that the adrenaline sort of went out of my system and i i started to feel quite groggy and probably like i'd had a dozen beers to be honest and, and that lasted for a little bit but um yeah no it was a it was a difficult period and he, he bowled really nicely Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, Steve Smith there uh, before the break, looking back at, at 2019. It was a bizarre afternoon that because it, remember, he, he did go off, but he came back on again. That's what people often forget. He came back on again, and he he did not look like a player who should have come back onto the field. Well, I'm sure he, you know, say that himself. He was swiping and swatting and slogging. It was it was actually quite unpleasant to watch it really because that's not how he normally plays. I don't think we've ever seen him play like that. And eventually he was LBW to Chris Wokes for, for 92, and off, off he went. And then of course he didn't come back for the next for the, for the rest of the match and the next game. And of course he explained in that clip, didn't he, why that happened? Because he said actually. That it, I felt like after I'd been hit on the head, I felt like I'd had about ten beers. So he was batting as if, as if he'd had yeah. ten beers. I, I don't lo- believe Steve Smith's ever had ten beers in his life. <laughs> well, he probably he's imagining what it might what, be in, like. It, anyway. what, in one go. In one go. In one go. Anyway, what England needed was a bit of Joffre Archer today, didn't they? Really, to to, to get Prize Smith from the crease. It wasn't to be. And actually, I don't know, Pring, what, what do you feel about watching Steve Smith? I, I, I said to Owen Morgan earlier, I actually quite like watching St- Steve Smith bat in a weird way because he's a problem solver. He's not pretty. He's not uh, classical. He's, he's, he's sort of a bit eccentric. But he works out a way of, of dealing with the bowler's best balls and keeps scoring on the leg side in particular. Well, uh, and I, I don't know, there's something kind of slightly 
sort of surreal about watching him back? Well, there was a moment, I think, they were just showing a little bit on TV where they were fixating with how he watches the ball, even when he's at the non-striker's end. He's watching the bloke running up with it in his hand and he watches it as he goes over and he watches it as he goes down the other end. They say he's always watching the ball and that helps him. One of the, one of the commentators, Ponte Vigator, theorised that, you know, uh, when he sees it coming, when he's actually batting, it helps him work out what, what he might be trying to do with it. But I think, you know, he, you say he's not pretty to watch, but some of his aggressive shots have got incredible flourish to them, but not before he's got the basics right, which nice square bat face when he strikes the ball, weight going forward, good hands, lovely high hands. What would you bowl to him if you, I mean, if, you know, early on, what would you bowl to him? Listen, mate, I was, I was an 80-mile-an-hour trundle, yeah, bowled a bit of outswing, that's what I just bowled him, and if he smashed it around, there's nothing much I could do about it. <laughs> I bet you didn't say that in your post-match interviews when you were playing. Well, I, I nobody asked me, Simon. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, good luck to them. If you're moving the ball sideways, I always maintain, if you can ball the move ball sideways, you get the best players out. I, I hadn't seen Steve Smith do this before. Perhaps he does. Perhaps he just hadn't been watching him closely enough when he comes down the pavilion steps and onto the ground. But he, I don't know if you noticed today, he paused just before the rope and just composed himself for two or three seconds as if to say, right, get myself in the right frame of mind for today, and then he went over the rope. But you don't often, you know, you don't often see that from batters they down the steps, over the rope, onto the ground. And they just, he just looked up something about him today. And of course, he played quite skittishly to start with, didn't he? He was 24 or 15 balls, he, yeah. and then he, he, or changed gear, and and, and then we were he back. Went to, down the gears yeah, rather than up. Yeah, we're back to that sort of remorseless Steve Smith that we saw back in Australia the, the time before last. Last time it was quite tr- tricky for, for batters in that series, but the time before last, when he was just, he was just a run machine, and there was a sort of element of that. And you know, I talk about you know, going down the bookies and, and, and making a bet. Would would you back against him getting a, you know, his 30-second test 100 tomorrow? I don't think I would. But the new ball is there. You know, bat- batter can make a mistake in the morning. But it looks but it, it, it looks almost inevitable as Brian Lara's 400 or whatever it was in, in, in Antigua that Smith's going to get a, a 100 tomorrow. Well, it's interesting you should mention Lara because I just wonder, I don't know if science, scientists have ever got hold of these guys, but I just think they must see the ball sooner than anyone else when it leaves the hand. They must just get that little bit split-second extra because, you know, they probably... The probably biggest enemy to them is, is themselves. They overthink it sometimes, maybe, or, or in Smith's case. Well, and, and actually, he's, he's, he's obsessive about his background, isn't he? So again, listening to that interview, he said it's difficult to pick up the ball from the pavilion end at Lords. It's slightly dark. There's members sitting in front of the sight screen. He kept waving at people to move and having the sight screens moved about two inches to the right. I mean, and all I mean, that. I I, you're an MCC member, aren't you? Sir? Yes. I, I don't know if it's a, a law, but I reckon it, it might come in. No stripy blazers behind the bowler's arm because it is the colour of the ball, isn't it? Those the orange bit. Anyway. Never vote. The MCC members would never vote for that. They never would. We've got to wear our stripy blazers. You know, actually, I, I mean, they have actually widened those sight screens because it used to only be two individual uh, panels, yeah, yeah. and now yeah. it's actually four. Yeah. So yeah. you know, the sight screens are better, and there's also an, an extra bit above on the first balcony above the, the main sight screens, which is sort of helping as well. To, so actually the members have lost a few seats when at the back of Joel the top. Joel Garner and Vincent van der Barbol at the far end. I think height was the issue, not breadth. I don't, yeah, I quite. don't know who we haven't mentioned so far. I don't think we've mentioned his name. Travis, Travis Head. Head. Travis Head, 77 off 73 balls. He came in at 198 for three. And I thought, oh, they got Labashain. Can we make some progress? 220 for five, something like that. Head came out and just, well, he played in the way that England play. And 
And then we had that mad over in which Joe Root picked up a couple of wickets. But I mean, Head has given this Australia innings some, some impetus. You think that the rest, they've sort of, they ground it out, haven't they? Most and Warner played quite positive this morning, but most have, have ground it out, not just here, but at Edgbaston as well. Travis Head is a real point of difference in this Australian side and he, he chanced his arm and, and, and well took the game away from England and, and everyone was hoping for a, a, a tongue and a head dismissal weren't they <laughs> oh god bloody hell I think we better move we better move on quite quickly from that I think what, what, what about that over then from, from, yeah. from, from, from well Joe actually Rick? do you know what it was a good bit of stumping by Johnny Bairstow because I know he had good sight of the ball but it suddenly turned Joe Root bowled a wider one to head who went down the wicket and it really turned a long way I mean that's going to be encouragement obviously to Nathan Lyon ultimately it was wide of the left hander but it did really spin and I can see that's one of the reasons why the, the pitch has a bit of green on it but I, I actually saw the, the, the Lord's groundsman this morning Carl McDermott and a you know, lovely guy he said yeah I, I was sort of given a bit of advice to leave a bit of grass on partly because England realise that if it's a flat dark dry pitch they're not going to take too many wickets so they need a bit of help but also because it's been so dry if you don't leave a bit of grass on the pitch is going to break up and it's already turning even though there's some grass on it well um, that's a really interesting point of that England saying fairly on early on in the series that they've changed their strategy already or at least it, 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 oh, oh, they didn't feel it worked he said he wasn't under orders but he was no. given a bit of a steer well I mean that's interesting isn't it it's, you know you're, you're just ripping things up already Ben Stokes said well before the series you want to play on, on flat pitches one defeat change of plan and it's not well thought out because actually England made all the running and dominated that Edgbaston test and actually lost it they had their pocket picked uh, at the last with some you know strange the odd strange dismiss, uh, decision they made but and they you know, dropped about four catches yeah as and well. gen- generally the, you know yeah. the conditions they were bossing it don't you think game. that's fascinating that England said that this is the way we're going to play and after one match okay no not so sure not so sure anymore yeah well I wonder I wonder if if, if you know they say Moen's fit but I mean how can you suddenly be fit if you bowled 25 overs again today surely his finger would rupture again yeah, yeah. He was bowling actually on the on the so, outfield at lunchtime. So maybe they thought four seamers better get a bit of grass on it, otherwise it's going to look silly. So how do we how do we see it overall? Three hundred and thirty-nine for five, Australia. Carey eleven not out. Smith eighty-five not out. Um, it's looking a bit ominous, really. You know, your original bring your original uh, sort of objective. If you put a team and you've got a bowl map for two fifty, well, that objective has gone out the window. What's the kind of damage limitation England can achieve now? Do you reckon? Well, Australia would be deliriously happy with that, I imagine. Um, um, look, if they get out under 420, they'll have done well. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. I think they could be heading for 500. Well, could do, yeah, 420, 500, whatever. I mean, it, but I think if, even if England come out tomorrow and take five wickets for 60 or 70, so you say it's 390 all that, a bit like Edgbaston, I think that's worth a bit more than an Edgbaston 390 because yeah. the ball, I think, will, will continue to move. Australia got a bit more pace in their attack as well, so you might not be able to adjust as much as you can against you know 80, 82 miles an hour. Also, the ball has spun for Joe Root, hasn't it? And this is the first day, and we, you know it has been dry. And Nathan Lyon, fourth innings. I don't know. I think could be a... Shane Warne never got wickets here very much. No. Spinners don't tend to dominate, but I mean we're, we're all basing this on today's play. I mean, tomorrow, Jimmy Anderson might get his mojo back. It might be cloudy again. Stuart Brock will get on one of those runs. We got the, the new ball's only a couple of overs old. So, you know, best scenario, England could get him for 370, it's, it's 380. Unlike, it's unlike you to be glass half full. 
No, no, but I'm just saying we're basing it. I mean, on today's play, I think Australia will get 420. <laughs> but if they buck their ideas up tomorrow and get the ball moving on the right length, yeah. could get them out for 380. Okay, okay, even if they do get them out for 380, do you, how tricky do you think it will be for England on that pitch? You know, well, and I think there will be overheads as well tomorrow. Well, if they get them out for 380 and the ball's moving, it'll yeah. be very tricky for their batsmen. Exactly. Well, I'm glad to say that at least we have whatever is the collective term for lots of lawnmowers uh, out on the outfield. I'm sure you can hear it in the background. They are cutting the outfield, which is very important for England's prospects because the shorter the grass, the quicker the ball will go to the boundary. As long as England can polish off the Australians first and get batting, maybe they'll get value for their shots. What do you think? Possibly. Are you concerned about for England's chance in this test match yes, already? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, I really am. I mean, I think that it's 3-0 it's to Australia already in, in this match. I mean, if it was a football game, they're 3-0 up. Yeah, well... So, I'm sorry to leave you with that, uh, but it was a disappointing day. I suppose, there, you know, a lot of people were using the word lacklustre about England's bowling attack today. I thought they'd obviously tried hard, they were trying their best, but there just was nothing to really lift them apart from a couple of good deliveries from Josh Tung. So, we'll leave you with that thought and the hope that England can make amends tomorrow. Thank you very much to our great friend Derek Pringle for his contributions today, and he's writing in the Metro newspaper, isn't that right? You and can pick that up. And the cricket paper. And the cricket paper, okay. So you can pick up the Metro free on the tube, can't you? Yeah, you? cricket paper's cri- out every Sunday. And, you, and you've got to pay for that. Yeah, you've got to pay for that. <laughs> so just buy the Metro, or get the Metro rather. Simon and I will be back tomorrow for more comment and review and analysis on the second day's play from Lords. Hope you can join us. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.